Welcome to the very first episode of the Good Lord Bird Companion Podcast. All right. That's literally the title. Is it really? Yeah. That's the... We, I, we didn't come up with anything else. Okay, cool. That's I'm, what I put in the uh, album artwork, so that's yeah. that's good luck. I feel like maybe it could be Bleeding Kansas or Bloody Kansas or whatever, but for cool. right now, cool. that's what we got. I'll keep my uh, Photoshop file on my on my hard drive just, yeah. just in case it's it's like you play this game in your head of like what are like i'm all the time i'm like oh that's a hilarious band name you know like yes skewed view what a hilarious band name and you write like i would keep notes for a long time and then actually have a reason to like come up with a creative name for something and that's it's cool <laughs> the just a total descriptor like no creativity whatsoever cool well maybe let's do some uh introductions like who oh. are we yeah why are we doing this podcast totally i think that's a good idea um, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Turn it right back. Did the, did the Uno reverse card on me? Yeah. Well, I'm Trevor Mowry. I'm a, a filmmaker slash videographer slash motion designer. I live in Lawrence, Kansas. Um, I've been to the University of Kansas for, uh, most of my education and I'm a big fan of John Brown. Mm. Yeah. And I'm Andy White. Uh, I am a Lawrence, Kansas resident, uh, native Kansans, born and bred. I feel like that's important to say. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, so we have a special affinity for the, uh, for the free state, uh, bleeding Kansas sort of era of history that I feel like a lot of people overlook. Mm -hmm. Um, I also, uh, University of Kansas alumni and, uh, a photographer. Cool. And also let me just say. I got a bachelor's of general studies from the university of Kansas yeah. in history. Dude, I have a bachelor of general studies in really? film. I didn't know that. Which is actually uh, a really good reflection of like why we're both on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is like the, the like we were we, without knowing these two facts about each other. We were like, Oh, we could do this podcast about, yeah. Uh, John Brown, Bleeding Kansas, you do the history stuff and I do the filmmaking stuff. N at at no point, though, did it come up that we have degrees in those respective areas. Yeah. Or that they're both just general studies, which right. is like the least... Which means that we're pretty uneducated yeah. about both of those things. So in my case, it just meant that I, I didn't want to take Spanish or science. Is that what it meant for you? Exactly. Okay. okay. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like we just didn't mess with any, you know, we were real focused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a way yeah. of putting it. So, um, that being said, um, well, I mean, maybe like we start off by talking about like what, uh, the good Lord bird, like book and show actually is. I yeah. mean, I imagine if anyone's listening to this podcast, they're going to have an idea, but like just to cover our bases. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think for a long time, um, I've had a fascination with John Brown and with just Kansas history and there's been talk like, um, I feel like ever since I like had my had my proverbial finger finger on the pulse of this uh this thing that there was um he would be a great character for um a movie or tv or you know just just mm -hmm. screen adaptation and um i'd heard various directors mention it one time i heard like quentin tarantino in an interview say that he wanted to make a john brown biopic really? and i was like oh that's fucking dope that'd be great that would be super cool but um you know it just never came to fruition so then when I heard about this. I was like, oh, that'll be great. You know, this Ethan Hawke um, adaptation of, um, actually, I didn't know it was an adaptation. I just, I knew that Ethan Hawke was doing a John Brown mm -hmm. um, series on Showtime. 
And I, I feel like uh, people like from our area, like generally speaking, are like the only people who really like gen like really know who John Brown even is. Like he's obviously like a, a really significant figure in the history of the Civil War. But I mean, I, I feel like you ask most people who aren't historians on the Civil War, like who John Brown is. Most people probably don't know. I think it varies. Yeah. Because like there's a lot of people that would be like, I have no idea. But then there's also like the people that know, like really sort of revere him or or hate him, I guess. But yeah. I think by and large, like where we're at in contemporary sort of understanding of history and socially where we're at. I think people genuinely really like him. My first uh, encounter with John Brown was actually at a University of Kansas uh, basketball game. Uh, Because I saw him, I saw the version of him that is in the mural, the tragic prelude mural. I saw that image, which I feel like has become pretty, like, synonymous with just, like, kind of... It's pretty iconic. Like, Kansas pride. um, Yeah. Yeah. Free stater stuff. Uh, that I saw that like on a poster and like at a basketball game and like I knew like vaguely that it had something to do with like the civil war and the free state stuff, but I didn't know who he was gotcha. prior, prior to that. Gotcha. Uh, I think the first time that I have like a conscious memory of John Brown was like as a, like an elementary, like late elementary or early middle school kid going to the Kansas state Capitol in Topeka. And there's a huge, the, the mural that you mentioned, the, um, tragic prelude, um, is this huge ass mural in the um, in the state house, and I, I don't know the measurements, but it's massive, um, and it's this very cool folk art style sort of painting of like a screaming John Brown with like the craziest eyes you can imagine, and there's like very cartoony, <laughs> yeah, right, and then it's like there's a tornado in the background, there's free staters beneath him, mm-hmm. there's like Missouri ruffians like they're duking it out underneath him like crazy stormy skies and then he has like a bible on one hand and he has a rifle on another hand and he's like screaming like a madman and i just remember at that time being like oh shit yeah yeah (laughs) definitely like a like obviously a a real guy but i feel like in the entire uh time that i've been aware of who he is he seems like a larger than life character which he is literally portrayed as in that in that mural like he he uh, we've talked a little bit about this how he's uh, a problematic character in a lot of ways and like mm. probably like certifiably crazy in a lot of other ways but because of that is kind of a, a modern day like comic book character almost like sort of car- a caricature of himself yeah well you know like history is weird like that where like depending on what sources you're citing and who you're looking at um the you know the the view of a lot of folks changes um even over the span of just a few decades Um, And so I think, you know, like he was a a known figure uh, before the Civil War um, because of some of his antics. And then, you know, after his death, um, where he was hung at Harper's Ferry, um, he was very conflicted. And depending on which side, like a, you know, um, Northerners versus you or I should say, like even just abolitionists versus um, people from the South, you know, thought of him very, very differently. Um, he was really revered by the African-American community, um, by slaves of the time, by other abolitionists, you know, and I mean, we could go super deep on that, but mm-hmm. I think there's a split view of him now, like whether he was, you know, like you use the word crazy, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, he was willing to do some crazy shit for sure. But at the mm-hmm. same time, like he was, uh, he had, 
ways that he justified it to himself. Cause there's a lot of times where you're like, well, is this, he's like this religious zealot. Right. How do you think about that now? Like, cause then you think like, when you say religious zealot, what do you think about like, you know, abortion clinic bombers and right. shit like that? Right. Which I don't think he's on the same level of that because he was just, I think, damn, we're going deep already. Episode yeah, one. It's, <laughs> <laughs> there's so there's so Maybe. much more of this to come, but you know there's uh, I think it's it's going to get into this, and I think the book sort of will help illuminate this, and I'm interested to see how the how the series shows us. But I, coming back to what you said earlier, there's going to be a show, so, right. so we get approached to do this podcast by Jackie. Seems like a great idea. We're both sort of into it, and being the you know. Um, you know, again, bachelors of general studies, we're not scholars here. Okay. Right. We realize that it's, it's an adapted book. Right. So just like given a bird's eye view here, there is a book called the good Lord bird, uh, written by who? David? James McBride. James McBride. It was published in 2012 or 2013. In 2013, it won the, the national book award for fiction. Right. Which is pretty prestigious. And, and, you know, James McBride is a, a relatively well-known author. Like i I like to read, but I'm by no means well read, um, and so I'm sure there's there would be a lot of people that were that are into literature that are probably rolling their eyes like, oh my god, right? But we didn't know that, right? Um, we're just a couple of John Brown fanboys. But I, I going back to the book, I mean, like uh, Ethan Hawke obviously read this book and then just yeah. decided from that content alone that like this is something that needs to be adapted. Fast forward to uh nine years later um they're creating a showtime show that covers the uh life of john brown according to wikipedia an upcoming american drama miniseries based on the book of the same name the series was created and an executive produced by ethan hawk produced by jason bloom with bloom house productions uh and it will premiere in 2020 on showtime so obviously we are recording this episode prior to the show airing at all so we really don't have anything to talk about a review but i think that is the the idea is that this is this will make up the bulk of the content of the podcast is actually yeah. watching the show and reviewing each episode yeah and from your standpoint at least correlating it to how uh, it reflects historically and to the book and then on my side is talking about the filmmaking itself and yeah. the merits of that i think that's kind of the what we're after and and i think that there's you know we're we're coming at it from a uh i think you use the fan the word fanboy earlier i think that's mm -hmm. kind of our our angle i like the idea of doing a podcast about this versus a lot of other things because of that very baseline understanding of who john brown is his historical significance and just being uh, a person who's lived in lawrence and understanding the free state uh history and culture for so long that it's really easy to just kind of hop on the bandwagon of like oh they're making a showtime show about john brown that sounds awesome like yeah i love the idea of that yeah i mean these are stories um you know the the potawatomi killings um john brown's uh tendency to be uh, a real animated sort of character i think that that's something that we've heard um well we and sort of like little local folk tales over and over again well we were talking about this earlier like i don't uh I don't think a lot of people even know like some of those like mm, like sharper points in his history like sure. what what even are like the Potawatomi killings Oh man it was like some some straight up uh, broadsword to head throwdowns man <laughs> <laughs> in the name of Broads racial equality <laughs> 
broadsword to <laughs> throw down. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, you know, and there's we'll have. Uh, I'm sure we'll. There's a lot to unpack about a lot of this, but you know, it, it, uh, dude's complicated. Really, what's cool about John Brown is like his entire life, he was devoted to equality. He viewed slaves. I mean, he viewed African Americans. He viewed women. Um, he viewed uh, indigenous people all in the same way through this lens of, you know, he was a uh, devout, devout, devout Christian. And so basically what he was taught from his father, what he was reading, the way that he believed was that all people, no matter what, are equal. And so that is um, an absolutely radical notion for his time in history. Yeah. You know, like where he was at, like when you contextualize all that, very, very, very few people, even the people that call themselves abolitionists, even, the, the, you know, it wasn't just one. It's easy to just ascribe that that term to this whole group of people that wanted to see slavery end. They all had different views on how that should look and their reasons for that. Mm -hmm. And John Brown was one of the very few that actually treated African-Americans um, as as true equals um, in a very... Um, way that was not based in any sort of self-serving ideas, um, right. just inherently good. So he's radical for, for that. Mm -hmm. And then um, he also, over the course of several decades, it's easy, you know, like because it was so long ago, we condense all these ideas of, or all these things that John Brown did into like these, you know, tiny little bite-sized things. But mm -hmm. it was over a period of decades and decades that he basically came to the idea of radical um, acts of violence or um, slave revolts um, to think that that was going to um, have any sway in like the, the social climate. Mm -hmm. And so it's cool to read about a lot of the sort of abolitionist um, writers of the time, which there are very, very few of, but people that are publishing newspapers, people that are, um, you know, without social media, basically pe the, the, the printed word is how people were getting the word out about their ideas. And so, you know, you can do a lot of reading about what Brown thought of a lot of that and how, what those people thought of him. Well, I think that's, I mean, I'm probably speaking a little bit out of my element here, but I feel like that's probably a lot of the reason that he was considered so crazy uh, right. is because I, idealistically he was kind of on an island, at least in his probably like, in, very much so, yeah. Like in his immediate region, where like his ideas were very much his own and no one else's, and like that's a that's yeah. an easy way to conclude that someone is completely un uninfluenced by the world around them, and yeah, they're yeah. crazy. And I mean, there's uh, everything leading up to the you know the point where like things where like shit really hits the fan in Kansas. Mm -hmm. You know, he's old. I don't I don't remember off the top of my head, but like you know, he has grown. Um, grown children and I, and it, I mean, he had like 19 kids mm -hmm. um, and maybe like nine or 10 of them ended up dying at some point. So um, he lived a long, hard life before any of mm -hmm. the stuff that we're going to talk about even happens. Mm -hmm. and by the time he moves to Kansas, um, he's had multiple failed businesses. He's thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in debt to multiple people. He was a terrible businessman because mm -hmm. he hated, he hated capitalism. Yeah. He didn't believe in capitalism and yeah. like, it, <laughs> which I think is awesome. But, right. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, he's, uh, this really interesting figure that like, um, I don't know how much will be addressed in the Showtime adaptation. It's not, 
it's not really addressed in the book because it kind of picks up in Kansas. Oh, yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Like I, I'm super jazzed to see how Ethan Hawke portrays him. Um, the other unknown in the whole thing is, you know, the the novel um, is told through the lens of this character named Onion. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned Onion yet. Yeah, and um, Onion is is a young um, freed slave that John Brown um, frees, a young boy that. Whose real name is Henry, I believe. Yeah. And like Onion is like an assigned name from yeah. John Brown and his his posse. There's such a funny, I can't wait to see this on screen, but there's such a funny interaction that like how John Brown takes takes Onion in, uh, how Henry becomes Onion, like how that name is bestowed is super funny. Um, but he mistakes him for a girl. And, and so then the entire book, basically onion is like, it's, it's this sort of play out of like how onion just trying to get by mm-hmm. and, um, well, live, live his best life. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you know, it, it's basically, so it's told through this lens of like a freed slave. That's like, um, all this stuff is happening, around him and he's he's really just trying to get by so by keeping his gender identity something that he uh has control of and the way that he presents himself really sort of dictates how he's perceived by those around him uh for better for worse in different scenarios so it's really interesting to see how this sort of plays out over time it's worth mentioning too that this character is fictional yeah yeah Yeah, not a real person that hung out with john brown totally and but it's like a vehicle to tell the story through totally um and, and which is cool because james mcbride obviously is african-american uh i mean the the way that he writes and the way that he sees the world is enlightening to people from an african-american perspective you know when i when i'm reading this book i don't think that you could it would be a very different book written by a white person right, right. so you get like the slave perspective on what's happening around and the way that the way that onion talks about John Brown is pretty hilarious. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a ton of humor infused with this character, but really, I mean, by and large stays fairly true to like kind of how things went down. I think there's a lot of surmising of what was said. There's a lot of quotes that you couldn't attribute to Brown, but I think in the way that they're able to, that he's able to tell the story like that, I think is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just think with a lot of wit, that's really pretty engaging. The Good Lord Bird is a Showtime show produced by Ethan Hawke and Jason Bloom that will be airing on Showtime. The first episode comes out on February 16th, and then our companion episodes will come out on the following Thursday. And that's how it'll be for the remainder of at least this first season. We don't really know what happens beyond that for the show. Yeah. And I think also uh, our goal hopefully along the way is to not only give you our perspective on the show, but also um, be able to check in with uh, maybe some local historians um, that can speak a little bit about um, the area, the the time period, maybe contextualize John Brown a little bit, um, if not mm-hmm. speak directly to the show. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see where it goes. Um, I'm not, you know, we're still sort of waiting to see what like the format of the show is going to look like and mm-hmm. you know, uh, how they're going to segment that out. So right. I feel like this is me going off the rails a little bit here, but I feel like we've talked about like this podcast, like may transcend the show altogether and may become like yeah. kind of a John Brown thing as, a, cause we don't really know what the ultimate fate 
of the show is yeah. and like I don't know maybe maybe the podcast lasts longer becomes something different well when your main character dies at the end I don't know where you take it from there right. exactly <laughs> but who knows if it's even going to be more than one season yeah well I'm I'm excited for this show for a few reasons I mean obviously like we were really into John Brown you and I and it's interesting to think about like the time that John the times that John Brown has actually been on screen uh and which apparently is uh only twice at least like notably mm. And they've been in two different movies, um, one called uh, Santa Fe Trail in 1940 and the other one called Seven Angry Men in 1955. In both movies, John Brown is actually portrayed by the same actor whose name is Raymond Massey or Macy. I'm not really sure how you pronounce it. But the movies have nothing to do with each other. Um, The first one is actually... Uh, according to a few sources, kind of politically and racially problematic. And I'm sure the second one is in its own ways, but the first one is, and I say first and second, they're not sequels, but the, the first one, I guess paints a pretty unredemptive picture of John Brown and is also not explicitly anti-slavery. So I feel like that one is uh, a bit of an, bit of an issue, but the same actor who plays John Brown in that movie plays him in seven angry men, which paints him as much more of a, a heroic figure and is a little bit more on the nose with its uh, God, oppos- yeah. opposition to slavery. But the reason that those movies are interesting is because they're just in the 40s and 50s and they're the only times John Brown has ever been on screen. So uh, it's been a long time coming for him to like actually make an appearance on any, sor- on any sort of format, whether movie or TV show. Right. Can't wait. That's awesome. Because mm-hmm. uh, you were playing me those clips earlier and it's... I mean, dude kills it. Macy's on it. I highly recommend uh, looking up John Brown in Kansas at Harper's Ferry on YouTube and then playing it side by side with Willem Dafoe's uh, Hark speech from the lighthouse. It's pretty uncanny of how similar those things are. Honestly, it kind of blew my mind because it's like, it looks like direct reference. It looks like they played that and they were like, do that. Yeah, right. (laughs) In retrospect, after watching that, like, uh, Robert Eggers, the guy who directed Lighthouse and The Witch, uh, has a real ear for historically accurate um, dialect. But because of that, I'm kind of bummed that Robert Eggers is not doing (laughs) this show and it's uh, this other guy. I'm sure Jason Bloom is great uh, because some of the most notable things that Bloomhouse Productions, which is the production company that's making this show, um, they've done stuff like Paranormal Activity, The Purge, Get Out, They've produced things like Whiplash and Black Klansman. So, like, that's a pretty great resume. So, I I don't... It's a good pedigree. Right. Uh, And I was pointing this out to you earlier that I think it's interesting that they do a lot of horror films. Like, most of their resume, at least, like, the notable stuff is horror films. Mm -hmm. And, like, I'm curious as to how that will translate into the the tone of the show. Yeah. And I think that, ironically, maybe this is the whole point, but... uh, John Brown himself is kind of like a, a horrific, larger-than-life character. You chop a few dudes' heads off, and all of a sudden, you're a horror figure. Look at that mural, man. He's <laughs> Look at his eyes in the mural. I'm really interested to see Ethan Hawke. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying, man. Like, how is Ethan Hawke going to, like, top what we just heard? Because you showed me Defoe, and I, don't I was think, like, oh, oh Defoe, Defoe should have been John Brown. <laughs> I don't think he can do it, man. <laughs> I think he can. Yeah. Ethan Hawke's got a weird face. No. Yeah. He's handsome. He's got a weird face, man. He was great in Boyhood. 
Yeah. That's when I, that's when, <laughs> you know, like I, I was familiar with him before that, but then I saw Boyhood and I was like, that Ethan Hawke is a good actor. Have you ever seen a movie called, I think it's called Daybreakers? No. It's like one of the, when I was working at a movie theater, a lowly movie theater in Dodge City, Kansas, my hometown, this is one of the big movies that came out during my, my tenure there. Daybreakers is a 2009 science fiction action horror film written and directed by Michael Peter uh, Spierg. The film takes place in a futuristic world overrun by vampires and centers around a vampiric corporation which, set, which sets out to capture and farm remaining humans while researching a substitute for human blood starring Ethan Hawke. A substitute for human blood? Yeah. That sounds like um, the horror movie this, version of The Matrix. This is what I'm saying, though. Ethan Hawke looks like a vampire. Like, I remember seeing that movie, and I'd be like, this is the perfect casting for Ethan Hawke. Yeah, but in a good he, way. He looks inhuman. Ouch. Man, I'm really shitting on Ethan Hawke. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> let's, hope, let's hope this doesn't make it his way. <laughs> cool. I just thought I'd share that little bit well, of movie, movie history. Do you know, as, like, Ethan Hawke and uh, the other guy... Uh, Jason Bloom, have they been in collaboration with the author McBride at all? Yes, they have. Uh, to to what extent I don't know. There's not a lot of information out about the show. Like everything you read about it right now, it seems very press release like. And I was reading an article that um, was they they did a little on location sort of um, sort of vignette about because I, I think they're shooting in Pennsylvania, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like he was consulted pretty heavily on how this was going to come about. I, I'm not sure like how big they're expecting this show to be just because of that severe lack of anything, like any material, like there's no trailers yeah. out for it now. And like what we're recording this on the 10th. And so like the show comes out in six days and like, yeah. there's like barely any sort of promotional material for it. So there's really none. Right. So like, I don't know, like, is that intentional or maybe that's how Showtime rolls? Yeah. People will like it if they like it. We're not going to, we're not going to yeah. sell it to them. Yeah. Be- and I know that because I looked up the top, like top 10 Showtime shows of all time and I've seen exactly one of them. So Which was what? Dexter. So Dexter, th- Dexter was a Showtime show? Yeah. They're really not promoting the show though. Yeah. Because I, I, I think we're both pretty thirsty for some good Lord Bird promo material. Yeah. Well, yeah. ser- seriously, I mean, like in uh, pulling some images to do the artwork for uh, like this podcast, Ethan Hawke as John Brown, there's literally like two images. Yeah, there's two images of him as John Brown. Yeah. Which means they're already shooting or have shot. Well, obviously, they've already shot it, but like I would yeah. think there would be more. <laughs> more he looks cool, like. though. Yeah. So with that, we'll draw this to a close and uh, see you again after the premiere of Good Lord Bird on Showtime on February 16th.